You've reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? Welcome to another issue of Imagine If. This week we're talking about Marvel's World War II team of record. <laughs> kind of, right? Like they were they were made in the 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 60s though. Kind of. Uh, oh, even yeah, like late 60s. Late yeah, 60s. It's funny because basically like Marvel are I guess we should say it probably timely. Timely did a great job of creating superheroes. But sadly, they were not memorable. You know, <laughs> like okay, um, who do you have? Um, like the best team that Marvel had coming out of World War II comics would be the All Winner Squad, and with that, you've got Captain America, Human Torch, Toro, Bucky, and Namor. So those five we are going to talk a lot about because we're talking about the Invaders. But then it's sad because there's the Invaders team, yet they cut out the Wizard and Miss America. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh. So those two, the seven of them came together to form the All Winners Squad, which is kind of funny because if you look at that with them being seven, it's almost a little bit of a formula for the Justice League of America because the Justice True. Society had eight and it was all, you know, eight men. And it's like, well, you know, if you if you expand your role's diversity, you can get more fans, you know. All money spends the same, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So at least the all winners was like, "Hey, let's get, get a let's get a woman on the team." There we go. <laughs> it's just so, yeah. It also the the because what we we have the all winners cl- uh, all winners club all winners squad over here and then over on the DC side we have the all star squad all star yeah. well so that's what's funny and, and it's all Roy Thomas's fault hopefully he's listening to this episode <laughs> so DC Comics had all star comics and that's where they created the JSA and then years later like Roy Thomas because <clears throat> he was the first writer to step up after Stem Lee. And so Stan, and I love the names, it's Stan the Manly, and then Roy, he's like, Roy the boy. Roy the boy, uh, Thomas, like, take yeah. that. <laughs> so Roy eventually got to the point where he was writing comics, and then he made it up to editor-in-chief, and then it was time for him to kind of like, all right, cool, I, I don't want to do this anymore. So he cooked up the idea of the invaders to kind of make Marvel's Golden Age seem better, and then once he left um, DC Comics... He was like, well, I guess he just had that golden age itch to, to scratch. So he made the All-Star Squadron over at DC. And basically, yeah, he he named it pretty much after All-Star Comics. Um, and I want to say he did that. Actually, he did that in the 80s. So it's funny. The, the, the comic books of the golden age didn't really thrive until, you know, kind of the tail end of the Silver yeah. Age. And, the bigger part of the Bronze Age of comics. <laughs> That's so. That, yep, we're going to be talking about Marvel's The Invaders this week in our, in our one or one oh one. But before we get to that, as always, we got to get to that spinner rack, and it's as the the new normal is a two two for a two day event. Yep. every week. Comic, comic book day is not just one day anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. So we have uh, this Tuesday you will get your DC comics. And the nice thing about things is, I don't, well, you remember this, Mitch, when holidays would happen, comics would get pushed back a day. Yes. <laughs> and, and then the worst part is too, sometimes it would get shipped, so it might be a day or two. So we really got hosed. So nowadays, you lucky kids, you get your comics on time and DC a day early. <laughs> <laughs> back in my day, since we're talking about invaders. Not that, uh, so anyway, so from DC comics, we've got a lot coming out. Uh, Animal Man by Grant Morrison is celebrating its 30th anniversary. Wow. So they have made some deluxe edition hardcovers. So volume two will be out this week. You know, that's one of those, I haven't read it and I think I need to. So I might put that on my list of things to check out. Um, 
Batman is going to be getting some love. Batman issue 90 is getting a third printing. So right now we're neck deep in Joker War. So why that issue? What happened? So that might be worth investigating. Uh, Batman, the adventures continue. This has been such a fun digital first comic that's been coming out. So basically, Batman the Animated Series, what if it kept going after the DC Animated Universe shut down? And so in this one, we're going to get to see... Deathstroke the Terminator, Asriel, uh, Jason Todd, all the adult things that probably just didn't seem like a good idea for the cartoon are now happening. Because, yeah, that would be rough to run by the kid censors. Like, we have a character, Deathstroke. Oh, yeah, sure. Toss him in. <laughs> but Fox is cool. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. We like that. Yeah, Fox is like, well, the more the merrier. Uh, but so anyway, so Batman The Adventures Continue, issues one and two get second printings. And we'll be on the shelf this Wednesday. Dark Knight's Death Metal is continuing along, and this is the one shot I'm actually excited for. Dark Knight's Death Metal, Trinity Crisis number one. The crazy part about that cover, Superboy Prime is on it. Ooh. Like, that's insane. So it's like, okay, this Superboy Prime, like, is this our Superboy Prime, or is this the even more evil Superboy Prime from the Dark Multiverse. Or maybe he's so evil he's good. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's, yeah, he come back around. Maybe because our version is evil, he's good. Yeah, he's just like, I don't like that jerk. I'll, I'll jerk him by being a better guy. <laughs> yeah. But this book, I think there's going to be a lot of stuff. So what's exciting is the trinity of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman will be revisiting uh, the big three crisis. So Crisis on Infinite Earths, Infinite Crisis, and Final Crisis. So I am super hyped for this one. Um, that's going to be part of my leisure, relaxing comic book reading. <laughs> um, we have DC Comics, The Batman Adventures number four. This is great. I'm finally glad DC Comics is finding something to print for kids. So uh, back in the day when Batman the Animated Series was big, when it was going on live on TV and all that stuff, they made a tie-in comic book called The Batman Adventures. This was some amazing stuff. Like, Batman Adventures wasn't dumbed down for its audience. It brought its audience up, I think. Like, they were deep stories. And luckily, the comic book was just as good as well. So they are reprinting that series, and they're coming in at $1.99, so... You know, when we go buy our comics and if you have kids and fine, I guess you can get one. There you go. <laughs> That's the one. That's the winner right there. Um, Flash issue 761 is out and this continues on with finish line. So this will be Joshua Williamson's farewell to the Flash world. Um, this cover is really exciting because we have Max Mercury, Impulse, Jesse Quick, um, I'm not too sure. I think it might be one of the Tornado Tins, or maybe it's a new kid. We have Wallace West. We have Jay Garrick. And I can't make out that other body in the rubble. But, oh, my God, like the Flash family is coming back. So this is crazy exciting for me. I love the Flash family. I have missed them for almost, God, what, 2011? So almost a decade. So it's it's crazy nuts. Um, Green Lantern season two, number seven will be out. And I'm excited about this one because the cover has Hal Jordan wearing a cloak and hood. So it's like, hmm, are we going to get a little bit of a tease to his Spectre days? I hope so. I know not many were fans of that, but <laughs> <laughs> at the time that was all I got. So I appreciated it. Uh, Hawkman number 27 will be coming out. That book sadly will be getting an axe here pretty soon, but I'm hoping with uh, the, 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 uh, oh my God, the rock with his movie that that might bring some Hawkman love back. Um, and what I really like about this cover is it's actually an old photograph of the JSA. So it's got a picture of Alan Scott, Jay Garrick, Hawkman and Hawkwoman, uh, Wildcat and Sandman, and the photo's bent and torn, and there's blood. So it's like, ooh, a mystery from the, the past set today. So I'm very excited to see what that's going to do. Um, we have Justice League Odyssey hitting issue 24. Nightwing hits issue 74. And do yourself a favor, wing nuts. Pick this issue up. You're going to be waiting for issue 75 for the return. Yes, technically that will be the return of Nightwing. But if you want the return of Dick Grayson and how it happened, read issue 74. Cool. It's going to be a little bit tough. But what's exciting about it is um, the new characters actually make an impact in Dick Grayson's life. So I thought that was really cool. 
Superman hits issue 25 and Wonder Woman hits issue 762, which continues on with, I'm not sure if I'm right on this one, but it's kind of got that feeling. This might be the redemption of Maxwell Lord. Oh. Yeah. And especially in Wonder Woman's book, that is pretty wild because she didn't really take any of his crap. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So that's going to be spinning out of DC Comics this Tuesday at your local comic shop. Now, if we jump to the other side of the fence over at Marvel Comics, let's see what they've got for us on Wednesday. So this Wednesday, you will see Amazing Spider-Man issue 48, which continues on with the – it's a shame because – I don't know. I guess maybe I'm giving Nick Spencer a little bit of crap here. But like sometime in like the 80s, again, that bronze age, they had this character called the Sin Eater. And I forget what they called like uh, I forget what they called the story, but it was great. It was the Spider-Man Daredevil team up where they were hunting down this the, the, the Sin Eater. And it was just so intense. Uh, it led to the death of Gene DeWolf. Uh, it also like is kind of some of the origins of venom as well like it's pretty deep wild stuff uh it's one of those hidden gems but anyways they're reviving the sin eater because he killed himself okay and so okay this is getting pretty intense so obviously we're getting closer to 850 my hope is that somehow maybe the sin eater and this devilish magic will kind of play back into i don't know one of spiders uh one more day one moment in time moments to resurrect and fix a couple of things. Cool. So we are coming up on 850, the anniversary issue. But I don't know, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> you like that build up and then the shattering? Yep, that's how I felt when I read the previews. No. <laughs> uh, Captain Marvel number 21, Empire is over. So we will be having Empire Aftermath, Avengers number one. And I believe, let me get a little sneak peek here. Um, one of these books is going to be huge because we've had the wedding. Teddy and uh, – oh, I can't think of Wiccan's real name. Oh, but, uh, it's not Tommy. <laughs> yeah, it's the Tommy's brother. Tommy's brother. Man, I can't think of it either. It's okay. But uh, Wicked and Hulkling finally got married, and so uh, we're going to see what happens – and I don't know, like, I, I think they had like a quick marriage just because they're in the middle of a, a giant space war. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so it'll be interesting. But anyways, it's Billy. So I don't what's there you go, Billy. Billy yeah, Billy. I looked it up. Yeah. So um, Empire Aftermath Avengers number one will be out. So this will kind of deal with some of that fallout. Um, but I think this is going to be more a Tony Stark Reed Richards issue. So uh, go ahead. Did you did you read all of Empire? No, I actually didn't. Um so this is a tough one because this is one of those ones where it's like, you remember the Kree scroll war and everybody's like always hyped that book up and they're like, Oh, it's so amazing. And it's, it's this great story. And I've tried to read a couple of issues and it's, it's just, it's very set in its time, you know, like the dialogue, the action, it's just, it's not enthralling me as much. Okay. And so I know empire is basically going to be like a sequel and I want to be excited about it because, again, I enjoy Hulkling and I like the fact that he is both a scroll and a Cree. So this is going to be a major twist. So I don't know. Like, I've heard good stuff. So I'll probably, now that it's over, I'll cheat. <laughs> I just got to find the right reading order to read it in so that way I can get the most action per page. What, so. what is the, the stuff that you've heard? Like, what's the good stuff that you've heard? Well, basically, like, so, again, it's that big space action, um, but it, it's it's really fixing the Marvel space universe. Oh, okay. So, like, they've been really destroyed, like, from Annihilation, Annihilation, Conquest. And so it's like at some points you see the two, like, the Kree and the Scroll, they've been really destroyed. Sometimes the Shi'ar are an empire. Sometimes they're not. So, like, that lack of continuity has just been tough. Uh, so it looks like this was the one that kind of like, okay, let's set up these empires, let's draw the lines, and let's actually have our, our space mean something. And it's like, okay, good, because Marvel has some great characters, they just haven't, they get used for a story arc and tossed aside. Uh, but I heard there were really good moments for like Black Panther, uh, Captain Marvel as well. And so it's just like, okay, you know, like it, it, it doesn't sound like it's lacking in the action and story, which is good because if you're going to commit that much time to something, you hope that it'll be worthwhile. Cool. So 
but then we also have uh, so Empire Fallout, Fantastic Four number one. So they played a big part of it. And from the cover, it looks like this is going to have um, – oh, what was the kids called? The, the Freedom Foundation, I believe. So it looks like it's going to Future Foundation. Be, yeah, it looks like it's going to be dealing with some of their, their adventures. Oh, cool. Um, over in the trade paperbacks, we get Ghost Rider Volume 2, Hearts of Darkness Part 2. Uh, or sorry, Hearts of Darkness 2, the sequel. This, oh, I'm so mad at Marvel. So they brought back Ghost Rider. They gave him his own title. They had both brothers in it, Johnny and Dan, and it was exciting stuff. Uh, they did a 2099 issue. They did a spinoff, Spirits of Ghost Rider, The Mother of Demons. And these things were so exciting. Plus, you have Johnny Blaze as the king of hell, and you have Dan Ketch as the spirit of corruption, right? These things are like, okay, this sounds awesome. And they canceled the book, and we're like in the middle of a story. <laughs> and you're like, um, so what's going to happen to Johnny and Danny? What's going to happen? Like, they were even playing with ideas for Mephesto. So it's just like, well, are we going to get some kind of conclusion? I hope so. So please go out, buy a copy of this trade, show your support for old Flamehead because these stories, they're freaking awesome. So don't miss out. Um, and this is kind of funny. So this is a part of the Heroes Reborn part that I can say I can admit that I enjoyed. Uh, I know it's a little bit rough, but it's worthwhile. So Heroes Reborn, the return omnibus is coming back. <laughs> uh, I just, I, I got lucky. So I goofed up and I got into Heroes Are Born and I just couldn't afford it as a kid. And it was like, okay. Um, then all of a sudden, you know, a year later, they they did the Heroes Return. And so I got the Avengers book and I was like, okay, I really love this. But I always had this question in my mind and it was never fully explained. How did they return? So sure enough, they did Heroes Were Born, The Return. It was a four-part miniseries that managed to explain where they were and bring them back. And I was like, oh, this is so good. So I will swear to you, those four issues are fantastic. Uh, there's even a little bit more explained in the Thor annual back in 1999. So that was pretty exciting. But then, of course, they don't leave things alone. So <laughs> they did the Heroes Reborn sequel, our anniversary, like 10 years later. And so they decided to be like, hey, let's bring Onslaught back because technically he was responsible. So this is probably where it gets convoluted. <laughs> but if you just want a crazy well put together story that will have good moments and what the heck moments i would recommend this volume for you this is this is a good source of comic books <laughs> uh marvel's spider-man the black cat strikes number five of five so basically thanks to that playstation game uh spider-man it's been doing amazing so they've been doing some comic book spinoffs and they gave black cat her own book so that series will be coming to an end this is going to be exciting. Um, Ultraman is coming to Marvel Comics. So they will do a five-part miniseries, Rise of Ultraman. So we recently saw Ultraman on Netflix. Uh, he's been a character that is just near and dear to hearts. He's well-designed. I don't think many people know his story, sadly. <laughs> but um, it's, it's pretty exciting looking. Plus, they have Kyle Higgins, who went over and did a lot for the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Mm -hmm. So I, I have good faith that he's going to do some awesome stuff with Ultraman. But the, quick, the big question is, will Ultraman be part of the Marvel Universe, or is he just being published by Marvel Comics? That's going to be interesting, yeah. Yeah, so I'm very curious to see what happens there. Um, Star gets her five-part miniseries, and it comes to a conclusion this week. So Star, I'm not too familiar with her, but she is the big hot-to-watch character coming out of Miss Marvel, or sorry, coming out of Captain Marvel's book. Because she's a personification of an Infinity Stone, right? I'm not 100% sure. I, th I, I, I think you're, you're right. That that's how she started. I don't know if they've changed her to make her more, or maybe yeah, she is just an angry Infinity Stone. <laughs> <laughs> they can call her Kidney Stone, right? <laughs> Yikes! Oh no! <laughs> I'll be here all week. <laughs> no, <laughs> right? That's pain. <laughs> do you do you know about her power set? No, I I really don't know much about her. I haven't done my homework on her. Um, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like I, uh, lately I've been jaded by Marvel because they're like, oh, look at all these hot new characters we're making. And then it's like, OK, you get into them. And it's like, all right, well, it wasn't for me. That's fine. Then they just ditch it. And it's like, well, no, these characters like 
like Captain America wasn't always published, you know, right, like, right. there's going to be those times and it's just, I wish they would stand by their new characters a little bit firmer than they do because it's kind of like, all right, well, you know, let's introduce the character and then we're going to take it off the table. And it's like, it didn't exist. It's like, ah, oh, come on. Yeah, no, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's just so, I, I imagine it's, it's incredibly hard for any company, any person to, to create a new character and have it stick. And if they just, if they don't hit big, like right away, like it's it's gonna go by the wayside, and you'll see them later on in a big old crossover event where either they will sacrifice themselves or they're like the the first person to die for something, and you're like, oh well, I did like that character, but you know, there's nothing else I could do about it. So, like, because you think about it, as many times as there's the success stories like um, Kamala Khan, right, Ms. Marvel, there's gonna be hundreds of thousands or not maybe hundreds of thousands but hundreds of of failures like i don't know what's a character that you like that just didn't make it well ben riley i think he's amazing and he's such a fan favorite but at the same time i also know he didn't make it yeah <laughs> they gave him a mini series and unfortunately are well they gave him a comic book series just recently and you know we got two years of comics and then it ended on a confusing note because the writer got mad and yeah. that's it that's, yeah. that's how it ended <laughs> So there you go. It's just it's 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 a hard thing to to get into new new characters, but I imagine it's even harder to create one. Well, it is, and that's the thing is where it's. See, I think, like when you do new characters, you have to you have to kind of give them their solo series, but then farm them out to a team right away. You know, because like we recently did a big well since we're talking golden age and, and JSA and, and invaders, but like Stargirl, for example, she had a 12 issue series and you know, it did okay. It, it wasn't gangbusters, but by putting her in star or by putting her in the JSA book that helped because now that opened up a wider audience to her. So you get her fan base to follow along and you get this other fan base to start adventuring and like, okay, this character is really cool. You know, uh, Young Avengers, that did a phenomenal job as well, too. It was like, okay, you know, I'm an Avengers fan and you're calling this book, you know, this is the the Teen Titans of the Avengers. Okay, let's check it out. I bought it and I enjoyed them as a team. They would do a couple of one shots, but they kept that publication going. Like they were like, okay, don't let these characters be out of sight for more than a year. And it's like, that's the way you do it. Like give them something, put them into teams and then let them grow. And then if they take off, Boom, you got yourself a book. And if they don't, well, at least you know you've got the money. Because there's so many like heroes sitting out there that don't carry a book. And people get surprised. Like, no offense to this character, but Hawkeye. We both love him. He's a great character, but he's not going to carry a book. No. You know? like, if he carries it for more than two years, that's amazing. But it's like, but you keep him in Avengers. You keep him somewhere, you know? Right. God, they should put him in the Defenders next. That's where he should go. <laughs> I'm for it. We're, we're making you money. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. Let me wrap this up real quick. So Thor issues one and four will get a third printing and issue three will get a fourth printing. So that's huge. True believers will be focusing on X-Men villains. We will have empaths first appearance. And this one's going to be a very big issue. They're going to call it gray crow. Number one. Now this is huge because when they first created this character, they actually named him uh, scalp hunter. And, of course, that. nowadays, with, with time being the way it is, um, they're kind of like, well, this this is too bad of a name for a bad guy. So they've decided to rename him Greycorn. Uh, or, sorry, Grey Crow. So this is going to be interesting because depending on the, po- the the one you get, because one solicit actually still calls it Scout Hunter, and the other still calls it Grey Crow. So this is one that you might be able to pick up on the secondary market or pick up for the secondary market. So I'd say definitely would say it's a book to watch. Uh, reprints Uncanny issue 211, which has that, I want to say, yeah, it was Marvel's 25th anniversary. So they're starting from Fantastic Four number one because Marvel cheated. One minute they're old, one minute they're young. Um, <laughs> but anyways, this was that 25th anniversary in the 80s where they had that beautiful cover where it'd be a character spotlight and then they'd have a wraparound of all the Marvel heroes around it. So this is the one that has that famous Wolverine with like the half mask going on looking at you. So oh, okay. just cover art alone, it might be worth the buck. And X-Factor number three hits, X-Force number 12 is out, and then Web of Venom, Wrath, Wraith number one will be out. And that's going to start the big crossover, 
I imagine for the rest of this year. So that's what we've got coming out of the big two. Awesome. All right. Let's get into our 101 for this week. It is about Marvel's The Invaders created in 1969 by Roy Thomas. As Chris stated earlier, essentially he's our uh, bringing the World War II into the 70s guy <laughs> for both companies. Yeah, it's it's basically showing Mar- Marvel was there. Marvel were they were very patriotic. They did their part. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, what do you think it was in, in that time period that Roy Thomas just wanted to create these two teams and and make it so that uh, remembering World War Two and these characters? So I, I think well, and I got lucky. So. Um, as we always do here for Imagine If, when we talk about spotlights, we, we recommend issues. So if you want to see how it all began, I would recommend uh, Giant Size Invaders number one. Um, I, I have a feeling that that comic's going to blow up, especially if Namer takes off. So this was released back in March of 75. So you're right. What happened? What happened in that part of the 60s to this 1975 or even, sorry, the later part of the 60s that got Roy Thomas to be inspired. So luckily, in that giant size Invaders number one, there's a page where he tells you his thoughts. And so basically, like, he just, he loved superheroes and he loved them even more when they teamed up. And of course, DC Comics was doing that. Batman, Robin, and Superman would team up in World's Finest. The other heroes would all gather together to be the Justice Society of America. And so I think it just it takes him back to his childhood because he was born, I want to say, like definitely in the early 40s. But I think he started remembering comics in 1945. So I think that just takes him back to that nostalgia of being a kid when he first discovered comics. And so it's like, oh, this is great stuff. Um and he even looked back, like, because he would look at his Marvel or his Timely collection, and it was like, yeah, I've got a lot of Captain America, I've got a lot of Namor, I've got a lot of Human Torch, but they didn't really team up. And, uh, he, you know, he did his research, and there's only two times where the heroes of Timely teamed up. You have the All-Winner Squad, as we mentioned earlier, which they appeared in All-Winner Comics number 19 back in fall of 46. So there's half their appearance, and the second appearance was issue 21, and that was it. That was the only time we got the all-winners uh, to team up. And it's like, wow. Now, there were other teams, as we talked about last time uh, when we did our challenge. But, again, those are characters that were like, ah, eh, you know, you know, Captain, Captain Ultra. Like, who knows about that guy? Who really cares about that guy? <laughs> uh, the Destroyer. It's like, well, I'd rather watch The Punisher instead of that guy. So – they just didn't take off and you had your teams. But even then, Stan Lee kind of started that idea, too, because when they created Nick Fury during the Marvel age of comics, so the 60s and beyond, Nick Fury was a character that lived in two time periods. So you had him as Nick Fury, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? So he's all cool in the suit and the eye patch, chomping a cigar and acting like James Bond. Then you also had Sergeant Fury in the Howling Commandos going on at the same time, which transplants Nick Fury and explains like, oh yeah, he was a soldier in World War II. Yeah, we've got history, you know? So it was it was those type of insertions that they both played with. Um, so I think it was just a matter of Roy Thomas being like, you know, I love these characters. I wish there was more. And so after he stepped down as editor-in-chief, he decided, fine, I'll do it myself. <laughs> so he created the Invaders. Uh, they got their tryout appearance in the Avengers issue 71, back in December of 69. And then eventually, uh, I think it was like a one or two parter. And then, so finally they got, they got their own book, the invaders. And we didn't know the origin of the invaders until giant size invaders number one. So that's why I say start there. Cause that way you get the explanation for Roy Thomas himself and you get the origin of how they came to be, which was kind of neat to discover because as you mentioned last time, uh, FDR is the one who brought us the JSA. So, you know, it's only fair to share the world. So Winston Churchill is the one responsible for giving us the invaders. Makes And it makes a, a lot of sense. So who was a part of that first uh, invaders team in 1969? So the invaders, the, so they basically took the big three of the Marvel, of the timely universe at that time. So Captain America, the android Human Torch, and Namor. And then they said, well, two of the th- or three, yeah, two of the three had sidekicks, so they invited Toro and Bucky to get to play along as well. So, 
Human Torch Jim Hammond, the the android, uh, like does he predate Captain America? Oh yeah, big time. Does he predate Namor? So that's an interesting one, and I've always tried to find this out because so Namor and the Human Torch both first appeared in the first Marvel comic, Marvel Comics number one. Okay. And but there's one of those things where it's like, oh well, technically there was this uh ash can that they did and i guess it was just the the submariner story so it's like huh so it's tough because it's like well do you count it or not because that ash can technically predates timely comics as well so does it or doesn't count you know so like as i'm pulling up neighbors information here yeah he's credited with being his first appearance unpublished is Motion Picture Funnies Weekly Number One. So this was a comic book they would give to kids at movie theaters. You know, like, hey, kids, shut up. <laughs> <Watch a movie." laughs> uh, so that was April of 39. And then finally he gets his official appearance in Marvel Comics Number One, October of 39. Uh, the Human Torch, he's just straight up Marvel Comics Number One. So that's a tough one because it's kind of like, well, you know, like Direct Currents when DC was making that book. Yeah, they did an article on Azrael that predates the comic. So technically the art that's in that quote-unquote comic book, is that the real first appearance or is it the comic book? So that's tough because there's been a lot of people actually like Wolverine is one of those characters where they do the same thing. There's a big house ad in Marvel Comics that has pinup art of Wolverine. And so people are like, no, that's the first appearance. And it's like, no, you're uh, – your power pack number whatever doesn't count, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> we want the Hulk. <laughs> uh, now, Jim Hammond's body, uh, their android, goes on to be the f- original body for the Vision, right? So that's how they – yes, they, they played it that way. But then just because they wanted – and this is kind of funny because what Roy Thomas did kind of also influenced uh, John Byrne. Because he got into a big like, hey, I love writing the uh, Golden Age characters. So he had done a lot of stuff with Captain America, Namor, and the Torch. So, well, actually, no, he did just Namor and Cap. So he felt bad. So he decided to spread the love and he brought back the original Human Torch. But it's like, wait a second. We were always told that it was basically Wonder Man's mind was stuck inside the original Human Torch's body, and that's what gave us the classic Avengers Avengers vision. But um, they've since kind of recanted it and like, no, it's it's a facsimile of the Human Torch. So they're similar, but they're not. Gotcha. Okay. It's all part of that Pym Ultron uh, <laughs> mixed family where it's like, yeah, uh, Hank Pym is technically the, the, the step-grandfather of Scarlet Witch. <laughs> 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 okay, so then the intro- was this the introduction of uh, Toro in 1969? No, no, Toro had actually always been there. He had been a Golden Age character um, right alongside because it was one of those things where the writing trope back in the day was you can't have the hero talk to himself. So it's like, well, what do we do? Well, you create a sidekick so that way he could talk to somebody. Because, yeah, like go back and read like the first couple appearances of Batman and he literally breaks the fourth wall and he's like, you there, I'm going to stop this criminal. Ha, ha, ha. And it's like, what the heck's Batman doing? It wasn't cool till Deadpool, but it didn't start with him either. So so you give give them a teenage sidekick so that the kids that are reading the books can put themselves in there as well. Yep, exactly, exactly. So uh, Toro makes his first appearance. Let me see here. Uh, Human Torch Comics number two in the fall of 1940, so almost a full year after Jim Hammond's been floating around. Now, I always felt bad for Toro, though, because at least with the human or with Jim, the original Human Torch, and it's funny because he's a robot and they call him the Human Torch. I always laughed at that. Right. But um, he, at least when he would deflame, he would have this cool red jumpsuit. And then when Toro would deflame, he'd be in his underwear. Oh, <laughs> yeah! It's like, hey, come on, give him the jumpsuit too. Like, let it be blue or orange or something. No, nope, <laughs> they just and it didn't stop because I recently reread uh, Avengers Invaders for this uh, this episode just out of nostalgia. And same thing. That's like a very modern comic, and they still have him running around in his chonies. <laughs> Jeez. So, but he wasn't a an android like Jim Hammond, right? No, he was a kid, and even then, actually going back to Avengers Invaders, that's where they kind of started planting the idea that he actually might be a mutant. 
Look at that. All right. The first, uh, kind of the first emergence of, well, you also, they also try and claim that Namer's a mutant. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. So it turns out they were always around to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wolverine, and then, he was, uh, I always liked that one. What was it? There was a, that, that comic or the, those texts between heroes and it was with Cable and, uh, Cyclops and Cable's like, yeah, I went since it was Easter. I went back to go watch the uh, resurrection of Jesus, and this one guy looks at me, hands me a beer, and says, "Hey, bub." <laughs> <laughs> of course he was. Yep. <laughs> uh, okay, so then and then that makes and then Bucky makes up the the fifth member. Um, like, how how many issues did we get of the 1969 Invaders? Oh gosh! Well, that actually that 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 had a good run of time. Um, so let me see here. They well, they had forty one issues, uh, plus the two uh, giant size and an annual. So it got a good you know four years worth of comic books, uh, and they still get they they still get brought back every now and then. But yeah, the original series definitely lasted about four years. And then when do we start adding in new uh, characters? Oh well, definitely in that series with Roy Thomas, okay. like he decided, like, hey, let's let's do some more stuff. So, because one thing he wanted to do was he wanted to give a spotlight to the Golden Age heroes, but he also wanted to make villains. Because if you actually do go back and read those Golden Age timely comics, they're just fighting Hitler, Mussolini, uh, you know, just those guys. They're not fighting like people. So, like in the first appearance of the Invaders, it's like. Or sorry, well, in their origin story, like that's where they fight Master Man. So it's like, okay, they finally decided to make some other bad guys. But issue six has the guest appearance of the Liberty Legion. So they definitely got to play there. Um, issue number eight gives us Union Jack finally. He gets a nice solo standing there cover. And I'd be real curious to see if that Invaders comic, if that's the one that dealt with the idea of captain america and bucky quote unquote dying on a mission so that's when they're like hey we need these other heroes to step up and be captain america and bucky so i don't know if that ever got played with in that book or not gotcha all right so when does that when when does you said four years is when they had they had, yeah, a run? They had about a four-year run do we not see them again until 2004 no so they would just kind of pop up here and there so um, 1993, they did a four issue miniseries with the invaders, which perfectly worked with DC comics at the time because they did, um, they had also revived their JSA characters right before they killed them in zero hour. Right. <laughs> right. So Marvel tried it too. So they did a four issue mini, uh, didn't work out so well. Then it was, so we talked about this 1999 brought us the JSA well, so what, then a couple years later... What was the um, 1993 book called? Sorry? What was the 1993 book called? Oh, it was just called Inven uh, Invaders. Oh, it was just like a mini? Yeah, they just did a quick four-issue second series miniseries. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so then in 2004, as we talked about last time, they did the new Invaders. Um, this was a book, I actually remember buying it on the stands, and I thought this was a neat concept, and it kind of went back to... Um, what happened so they started them um, in the avengers book and at that time it was like yeah u.s agent was like hey i'll go be captain america again so he dresses up as golden age cap uh he recruits other other characters so they get um oh gosh what did they get they got well they got human torch to come back the original one um I think his name was Crossbones. He was the one that I, I played with the idea of him being a ghostwriter. No, uh, no, not Crossbones. Back. It was uh, Blazing Skull. There we go. Blazing Skull. Sorry. Yeah. So they got him to come in. Uh, Spitfire. She really got a lot of uh, character growth in that series. And unfortunately, it only lasted nine issues. And then they just kind of decided, eh, we won't cancel or they'll cancel it. Uh, so it might have had a little bit of that curse of chuck austin on it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i was going to talk about that because they do they show up in the avengers first uh according to wikipedia it's, it's the number 82 of volume three and it's chuck austin writing and like there's only a few things <laughs> that I, like I enjoy, i'm one of the few people that i guess enjoyed his comic book writing because like his his x-men stuff his superman stuff and i guess his, his avenger stuff that i was collecting at the time because i remember this uh, and then I I remember picking up this uh, new event uh, in new invaders uh, issues too. I don't remember much that happened in it though. But that wasn't written by Chuck Austin. That was written by Alan Jacobson. 
Well, yeah, he gets the he gets the the like thanks for laying the groundwork. But yeah, you're right. Uh, Alan Jacobson picked up the book and went with it. <laughs> and so yeah, I remember I remember the issue like when it's 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 John Walker and this is pretty much my introduction to John Walker too. Like I had oh, nice. no real uh idea of him as a what was he the 80s um Captain America or before that? Oh, yeah. No, that was that was his time the 80s. Yeah. Uh, and then that's essentially you explaining to me that, that there would be, you know, how it's Captain America in all these different decades, but we have to give them different names because Captain America is in the ice, like Steve Rogers is in the ice. So, uh, that's, that's always interesting. And then, um, but it's him, John Walker going around to these different places and picking up new invaders. And like, I, I don't know if, I don't remember who his first person is, but I remember him, I believe it's the blazing skull that he finds in a hole somewhere, right? Yeah, that was the one. Yep. Yeah, was he a prisoner or was he being interrogated? Yeah, he, was a, he was a POW. Um, so this was during the this was post nine eleven. So you know the war on terror. So yeah, he was he was overseas in the Middle East and they captured him and they were just torturing him and he was cool with it. He was kind of like, yeah, I, I think I deserve this. <laughs> <He was> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> You're crazy. And sure enough, he was crazy. He was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Then how did how do you do you remember how they found or restarted Jim Hammond? So that's always a tough one because it's sad to say, like with Jim Hammond, like he either gets deactivated and so they just leave him in storage, or he's like, oh yeah, I'm just hanging out with Shield, <laughs> and it's like, oh, you weren't helping to fight crime or anything. No, I'm just <laughs> a Shield agent. Don't mind me, but now I have the urge to to take care of business. So. <laughs> I think in this case, I want to say this is probably where they rebuilt him, you know, like because he was destroyed. And so they had parts and they went to go collect and rebuild him. Because I remember after uh, Civil War and we had the initiative, the, the place where they trained all the new recruits was Camp Hammond. Camp Hammond. And the whole yep. idea was that they they named it like as a memorial to him since he wasn't around anymore but then this book came along it was just like oh no he's right here <laughs> well actually no so um the new the new invaders predates the does civil it, war and all that does stuff. it yeah, yeah that civil that war was, was i thought civil war was a like an answer to 9-11 no civil war was definitely like it, it, it was poor it was probably more an answer to george w bush's like, hey, we're gonna get all your information. The uh, what did they call it? the Patriot Act? I okay, think that's more what it was about. Oh, that I makes mean, sense with those ideas of like mass destruction and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I just yeah, remember, no. I just remember because of the whole um, uh, speedball, you know, explosion at the school incident. I, I I just assumed it was the two were related. A big explosion at the school, the twin towers coming down. Well, yeah, no, they definitely like, I'm sure, um, what was it? Mark Millar. I think that's what he was going for. Like, cause you know, he's a big old Brit and he's like, Oh, what's shocking to Americans. <laughs> All right. I got it. You know? And so, yeah, no, he just, he, because it's funny. I, I, I wish I could find the article again, but I remember reading, it was probably wizard magazine, but he literally like, that's how he got inspiration for Marvel's civil war comic book event. He was like, yeah, I was just watching the news. You guys are crazy. You're fighting each other. So I did a book selling you you fighting each other, and you like it. <laughs> you like it. Uh, just think, another ten years, and it would be even more on the point. Um, uh, going. Oh, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, John Walker. Once again, like I really dig the look of the U.S. agent, like uniform. Like I know uh, that John Walker was in the first one to like Captain America himself. Steve Rogers wears that uniform at one point, right? Yep, yeah, he's the one who creates that. Yeah, dark cap, as I like to call it. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just really like the the look of that. But for whatever reason, as interested I am in in John Walker and U.S. Agent, like I never follow through and and like follow his character, like because I know at one point he was in the Thunderbolts book, but he's like missing a leg and in a wheelchair and he's the warden of the the thunderbolts prison uh and then another point where he's on the thunderbolts and then i'm sure somewhere after that he gets 
he gets rebuilt his leg or something like that. So I don't know. It's just a character I, I always like, but I never follow. <laughs> well, don't worry. Your time is coming because with the Falcon and Winter Soldier show coming, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of, hey, let's be, well, let's release stories on this dude. Um, yeah. I know he's going to get a miniseries, uh, and Christopher Priest is writing it. Oh, so that's wow. even more exciting. Yeah, he's a great writer. Yeah, yeah. In the TV show, it's going to be played by uh, Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell's son. Oh, I did not know he was the kid. Yeah. Nice. Yep, yep. He's going to be playing the character, so... That's going to be uh, a lot of great uh, – I, I think that's going to – you're right. I think a lot of great stuff is going to come out of that. Okay, so all that being said, what are what are some of your favorite stories of the Invaders? Okay, so like, so you you're, you and I, I think, both got hooked on that with the new Invaders. Mm-hmm. So for me, it, it definitely balanced out my, my symmetry with Marvel and DC. So I loved it. I was like, okay. And pretty much from that moment, I was hooked. So – you know, I bought that nine issue. Well, they had a zero, so I guess the ten issue series. Uh, so we see them in two thousand four. Then we don't see them again till um, Adv- Avengers Invaders, and this one was a twelve issue mini or twelve issue series by Alex Ross. Uh, I recently just reread it. I love the art. I love the covers. I'm excited to see because what's neat about this one is we're we're neck deep in post Civil War. So the Avengers can't even come together. You know, it's like you still have Team Iron Man and then you have the underground Avengers. Uh, but they unite with the invaders, crazy shenanigans, time travel. Uh, Bucky, Bucky gets a great shout out in that story. So, of course, that made me even happier. So that was 2008. So I love that one. Uh, we got I want to say, yeah, next was all new invaders back in 2013. So I tried that one out because that one was the the edgier book because now it's like, okay, we take the five original invaders, but it's the modern ones. So it's like, ooh, Winter Soldier is going to be an invader now. All right, cool. Um, it, it had some neat concepts, but again, this was part of the all new Marvel now. So that error stunk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty bad. Um, yeah, the only exciting thing out of it was when they did the original Sin crossover they had a two part in issue six and seven that basically dealt with like Hiroshima. And it's like, okay, well, you know, what was the one thing that the invaders were sad about? What was their secret? And it was sure enough that, that it's like, we weren't strong enough to prevent America having to use the bomb. Like we couldn't stop the war fast enough. And it's like, okay, that's, that's an interesting concept. Um, we get a new character out of it. I don't remember her name. Oh no, they called her radiance. Mm. And so basically it's kind of like, well, the radiation and all that is what led to her getting power. So is she going to be with them or is she going to be like, no, you need to suffer. So that was uh, an interesting play on what war does to us. Um, so that was exciting. That got 15 issues. So it's like, ooh, we're past a year now. <laughs> and then most recently, uh, they did a third series, and it was just called Invaders. And it played with the same idea. Let's take the original five and cast them in modern-day settings. So, you know, Winter Soldier is in the book again. Uh, this time it was interesting, though, because I felt like there was a big buildup for Namor because this was around the time where they were talking a lot about, like, hey, let's bring Namor into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So they did this Defenders Reunited four-issue or five-issue series, and then it spun out into Invaders. And so basically the premise was just, like, Namor's done. Like, he's going insane. He doesn't care. He's just out to destroy humanity and not even just a little bit of humanity, all of humanity. So the rest of the gang gets back together to help him out. Uh, Unfortunately, Toro doesn't make the cut. So I was very curious about that because – after Avengers Invaders, they did a Toro miniseries uh, just called The Torch. I remember getting it, but I can't remember much from it. So I don't know if if Toro got to live because he's the only invader who died and stayed dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but then they did revive him. I just don't know if it's stuck or not because now you're talking about, oh, here's another human flame type person. Let me uh, let me give you this as a little little mini challenge for this episode real fast. Uh, of characters that Marvel has created in the, in the most recent time, but say existed, you know, way back in the past, like who would you like to write write one issue of of like being in uh, an Innovator's story in an Invader's story? 
Ooh, that's a good one. Well, as crazy it is, I guess I've been drawn to recently with my readings. I think Toro would be exciting to write. Okay. Like, I'd love to do a story from his point of view. And it's like, could you imagine, like, you know, you don't know that you're a mutant. So that kind of gives you a tie towards Namor. Mm-hmm. But you have the flame based powers, which gives you a tie to Jim Hammond. But he's an android. You're a kid. So you're with Bucky and you're probably going to be in awe of Captain America. So I think that'd be fun to, like, get a, a story from his viewpoint because sadly, he's the, like, it's funny because what is it over in the the DC side? They have the seven soldiers of victory mm-hmm. and it's like, there's eight of them. Yeah. Well it's wing. We don't talk about him. But <laughs> he's the one who made the big sacrifice. So it's kind of like, yeah, I think that, that, that underdog is what I look forward to. Very cool. I think, uh, with the creation of the blue marble, like I know he doesn't go all the way back to world war two. He goes back to Korean war, but like, Maybe if there was some kind of version of the invaders during the Korean War, that'd be kind of cool. Well, I think it'd be neat to just like kind of do like the JSA formula where it's like these heroes join, you know, like the JSA. Amazing Man wasn't there at the start, but they made him a character. So yeah. it's like, yeah, bring the invaders back and, and do that. Put in Blue Marvel and it's like, hey, you're you're also a veteran. You understand, you know, the, the pangs of war and, and the suffering of war. And so that could be exciting, you know, and then bring in some new blood where it's like, Hey, maybe, you know, maybe like, cause we were talking about this in our own private chats where it was like, Oh, you know, like who would be star girl of the DC universe? And it's like, well, that might be Kate Bishop, the new Hawkeye. Yeah. So maybe she, maybe she makes it to being an invader and that'd be funny because I could totally see uh, Hawkeye being jealous. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm not even an invader. And she's like, yeah, now we know who the best Hawkeye is. I mean, I mean that's exactly what she'd say. She'd say, well, I am the better Hawkeye, so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, that is our 101 on the Invaders. If you have any more that you'd love to talk to us about, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia, G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. Chris, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter as well. I am stuff I should say, uh, should being spelled S-H-U-D. And then please check out the Geek Elite Media website. Uh, right now, Rafa and I were doing a big, long series over the Ed Brubaker Captain America stories, which features the Invaders. So if you want a really good visit, uh, check out his run because he did some great Invader stuff there. Um so we're we're writing that series out, so we'd love you to check it out and interact with us. And then if you'd like some comic book reviews, uh, check me out over on Adventures in Poor Taste, where I get to review some of the new comics from DC and Marvel. There you go. Yeah, definitely check those out. Uh, the rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network on our website, geekelitemedia.com. Check out our Patreon. We have buco buco amounts of uh bonus exclusive material on our patreon account uh it just depends on which tier you want to be a part of and then finally please rate and review us on whatever podcatcher you listen to us on to help spread the word of our network so others can also enjoy our rantings <laughs> but until next time this is imagine if on the geekly media network saying always remember to geek, geek out, out. This concludes our broadcast. Beep.